Jose, I say, Jose, it's time to wake up. Oh, buenos dias, senorita. My siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Hey, Michael, mi amigo, pay attention, it's Joe time. So it is. Pierre, you rascal, you. Let's put on the show. Mon ami, I am always ready, as you say, to put on the show. <whistles> oh, pardon, madame. That whistle was for my good friend, Fritz. Ach, to lieber, I almost fell out of my upper perch. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. <whistles> Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. To paraphrase what Sam the American Eagle would say, it's a salute to all things Walt Disney, but mostly Walt Disney World. A former cast member, a longtime lover of the parks, and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, Dave brings you his unique perspective about the Walt Disney World Resort. Now please remain quietly seated throughout our tour, and we ask that there be no eating, drinking, smoking, or flash photography. Our podcasters are frightfully sensitive to bright lights. So put on your virtual mouse ears, sit back, and relax, and enjoy the podcast. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Hey everyone, and welcome to another Dave's Disney View podcast. I'm your host, Dave, of course, and uh, how is everybody doing today? You know, I find Walt Disney World to be a mix of very good things, some surprises, and the occasional ying to the yang that is those good things. So on today's podcast, I'd like to explore that with you a little bit. Now, I'd like to provide a caveat up front. While the antithesis of the good may mean bad in some circles, and may come across that way at times in what I'm saying, I'm not trying to be negative. Rather, I'm trying to make some observations and, contra and contrast the relative goods and bads of what Walt Disney World is. So just kind of keep that in mind as I run through this. First and foremost, I'm a consumer. I love Disney, but I can't be blinded by its sparkle. I have to be realistic and consider the big picture. And to me, that's what makes it special. There's a sort of yin-yang thing going on. So in my recent trip, I made some additional observations and wanted to share them with you about what I saw and some of the things that, uh, that, that I just observed. So one of the things that Walt set out to do was make it a place where a daddy could take his little girl. He put a price on it, uh, but it was always supposed to be affordable for families. He set a price point that keeps out the riffraff and makes it special. And as a Florida resident, I've had the great pleasure of being able to go regularly and fairly affordably. I know people who travel from out of state or out of the country and who save up for a trip to make it a magical destination for themselves, whether it's you know once a year, once every 10 years, once in a lifetime. But in my case, I've always been able to select a ticket uh, package that works for me for the time period I'm looking at. Sometimes I decide to buy a multi-day pass and include no expiration so I can use it on a planned or unplanned trips in the future. Sometimes I buy the annual or the Florida resident pass. It really depends on my plans for visiting in the future. Since the parks are only about three or so hours away from me, a hotel general, generally is required for my stay, though I've done day trips on occasion. That will happen once in a while. And that's where my first observation comes in. Ticket prices and hotel prices have gone up a lot over the years. It wasn't that long ago, maybe 15 years or so, when I could purchase a multi-day pass with no expiration that was in the under $30 per day range. Now that price is closer to $50 per day, at best, when you get some of these special deals, 
Now, I believe that's really outpaced inflation, and it certainly takes a bigger chunk of my income to pay for it. Hotels have similarly gone through the proverbial roof. When the parks first opened, my middle-income family could afford to stay on, uh, at the contemporary of the Polynesian hotels. And early on, the price point was about $10 a night. Now it's well over $300, best case. I can remember back about a dozen or so years ago when I would stay at a moderate resort for $60 a night or under, and now it's more like $150. Even the value resorts have jumped from $50 in the last five or so years to over $100 a night. And the yang to that is this. The ticket prices for multi-day tickets have gone up, but I always found the option of purchasing an annual pass is going to be a great value, and it includes parking with it. The break-even to multi-day passes is about the sixth day. Once you enter the park on day six, you're paying less per day than any multi-day ticket you can buy, find. You're paying less uh, per day than any multi-day ticket you can find. And of course, the park experience is still top-notch. There's always a good show, and you can mostly escape the world as we know it and really have a fun time. There are always new shows and experiences, and you really can't beat the cast members for setting the tone and setting the expectation for the day. So, in summary, the prices may have gone up, but as a result, so have my expectations, and Disney has found a way to meet and really ex exceed those expectations for the money that I'm spending. As for the hotels, there's a certain magic to staying in one on property. Surprises often await, and complimentary transportation is always offered around the resort. I have to admit I enjoy taking a bus from a resort straight to the theme park of my choice, and in most of them, the theming is well-imagineered and gives you an experience that's pretty cool. Plus, there's always the option of, uh, that I opt for frequently, and that's staying off property. Hotels and resorts are plentiful in the area, and uh, many offer specials and discounts, free dining, and other amenities to set themselves apart, such as bigger rooms, which is important to me. They aren't really competing with the Disney resorts, per se, but they are competing with each other. And that plays well to the traveler who's taking a couple of day trip to the resort. Yeah, you trade off a little bit of the magic, but in my case, I check into the resort, do some local activity, and then go to bed. In the morning, I wake up and have breakfast and head to a park. I don't return to the hotel until I've worn myself out, so I'm not really taking advantage of the resort amenities in most cases. And if I were planning on it, I might stay at a Disney resort or one that has more theming in it. So in the end, it all works out, and while I have to pay to park, the annual pass covers that for me. So it all kind of works out in a strange way. Uh, you know, it all kind of fits together. Now, as I said, it's more observational. I'm not trying to down, I'm not trying to soft sell it or downplay anything. This is just an observation I've made. Now, the next topic is related at, to uh, how Disney keeps adding new experiences, and they all have a price tag associated with them, um, and often that price tag is a little on the high side. Used to be there were many experiences and things to do that were off the beaten path that were relatively unknown, but fun, and often free or very low cost. Now it's, in a way, it's become sort of a rich man's game. There's so many experiences that are offered that are kind of more expensive and you really have to pay for some of these things. Your daughter can have tea with a princess or you can take a safari trek for a price. Now do you get your money's worth? Probably, but I personally wouldn't know. It's more or less out of my price range to do these things. Do I think it's out of line or wrong to charge those kind of prices for things? No, but sort of as an observation, it's interesting to see how Disney always goes to what the market will bear. Sometimes they offer an experience and find out that it's not worth their while to keep it running or the price is too high. And sometimes they leak a little information to see what the public would pay for it. And sometimes they just survey people to find out what they would like to do and what price they may put on that. So they really do a good job of kind of setting it to the, what the market will bear and really appreciating what consumers really want. 
So Yang here is that they continually reinvent themselves. Disney is always looking to create new, different, better guest experiences, and they're always trying to accommodate those that want the relatively unattainable. Walt's apartment in the castle was, al was always used for storage until someone got the idea to offer it up as a truly magical experience, and they offered it up as a perk to random guests. That was a clever way to go about it and not feel like they were only offering it to the ultra-wealthy as an experience they could pay for. And that, that leads me to it's a tremendous balance that they strike every day. Fantasyland's going to be expanded to take advantage of the princess con concept. There may be some new and unique experiences, but it's still about the theme park. Fantasyland will be expanded to take advantage of the princess concept, uh, but there may be some new and unique experiences there. But it's still just about the theme park. Maybe we lost 20k, which is hokey, but I loved it. Hopefully I'll enjoy this as much through the eyes of my daughter. Next on my list is Disney's Vacation Club. Okay, let's call it what they are. They're timeshares. I'm personally not a fan of timeshares. I see their allure and understand the value proposition. And I certainly wouldn't begrudge anyone else who wants to spend their money however they'd like. It's a personal thing with me. There are a few places I like to go to every year during the same week and stay there uh, in the same place every, every time. Certainly, there are places in this country that I wouldn't mind living for part of the year, work permitting, and I do love going to Disney regularly, but I don't hold myself to a particular week in any given year. School breaks are at different times each year, and sometimes I like to just decompress for a short trip. Yeah, I know you can use your points and change the dates, but that seems moderately complicated, and I like to keep my options open. So for me, the value just isn't there the same way. But here is, here's what's there for me, and not necessarily in a good way. New buildings that in some way blight the landscape. My example here is the Contemporary, which is over $300 a night and unique in its design and because the monorail runs through it. Now they've took away one of these garden towers and added a vacation club there. You can go on the roof and watch the fireworks and it's as good as the concierge level in, at the hotel in many respects. Uh, and while its design fits in with the theme of the Contemporary, it strikes me as wrong in some way. It's big and the sight lines that Walt worked so hard to create are ruined. It almost feels like it's a commercial in a way. You could stay in an opulence if you can afford it. The other properties don't quite feel that same way to me uh, because they're removed from view. Yeah, I know they exist and, uh, as at most of the deluxe resorts, but they're mostly invisible because they blend in to a large degree because they're, they're kind of well thought out. But that doesn't mean that, you know, it, as I look at them, I know I can go visit and I can see what they have to offer. And so I went and saw Walt's trains over at the, uh, uh, at the Wilderness Lodge um, villas. But it just somehow kind of takes away from it to some degree that that's where things are. It seems that Disney is pitching these as the next big thing and it's targeting the wealthy people again. If you can pay to play, you can get in it. And to a small degree, that bothers me. There are kiosks in the theme parks to sell these properties and that goes against the grain of, because it's sort of being commercial in some way. But here's the end. Uh, Disney offers an experience that it's like being home and they sell it that way. You own a piece of Disney and you can take it as a home away from home. The prices are known in advance and if you plan on coming regularly, it works out really well. People love it and uh, through resales, it's generally affordable uh, to middle income families. Um, you know, so you can actually afford it and don't have to pay full price for it because there's a the way to get it. And when you walk in the door, they say, welcome home. And there is something special about that. And I, I do appreciate where they're coming from. And I think there's, you know, there's a lot to be said for that. It's just a question of the value proposition for me and what it means to me as a regular to the parks and how it, how it looks to me. My next thought is about the community that's been created through various apps, uh, iPhone apps, Android apps, whatever the uh, apps may be. 
we had Brent Pope on a while ago, and he talked about his uh, app that he created for Walt Disney World Wait Times and some of the possible future for Disney. I've also talked about the experience that's coming in the future for smartphones and being able to do some very cool things with your phone. I enjoy the Disney community apps that allow you to share wait times. There's a sense of purpose in there. You, you share your wait times with others in the parks. It's free and it's part of being something. So it's a nice idea. Yeah, it, it really kind of works. Um, you could add GPS enablement and that would really uh, change the possibilities and make it a little more interesting. Then Disney comes along and offers an app that doesn't work on all networks or all smartphones. And it costs $10 but offers true wait times, plus some extras. Suddenly that feels not as consumer friendly, it feels more corporate. And that bothers me just a little. But there's a silver lining, and in this case it's that the proposed extras really could amount to something pretty slick. How about the idea of augmenting reality? Or allowing me to see what an attraction once looked like? Or being able to immerse me in the story of the Haunted Mansion before I, I ride the ride? I'd be all for that. What if I was offered a lighthearted or macabre story about, the Master, about Master Gracie and it's at my discretion which one I want to read or hear? The aha moment for me comes when I realize that Disney has more technological innovations than just about anyone out there. They hold hundreds of patents on technology, interactivity, queuing, and even specific showpieces. They're masterful at innovating and it's, it's widely encouraged throughout everyone that works as a cast member. One example I'd give is the idea of Monster, the Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor and the Turtle Talk with Crush, which are really the same technology. The concept of interactivity dates back to much earlier times. Uh, and when Epcot opened, Imagineers came up with a little purple or blue, can't remember which color exactly, robot, who wandered around interventions and interacted with guests. It seemed like a truly unique piece of technology. But really, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. There was somebody backstage who was actually doing the talking to you and doing the interaction. The entertainment value and the way they laid it out um, it was very clever, as is the Monsters Link laugh, laugh Floor. Uh, it's more than just a cartoon talking to you. There's a theme and some very interesting thoughts that went into the attraction. They really did come up with something that's fun and truly interactive. And for me, that means I should be patient and wait to see how the technology develops and at what cost so that I can see how that it's going to work. You know, and I think, there's, I think there's a tremendous opportunity here, and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do offer. Now, FastPass, now FastPass is another example of an enhancement that costs you nothing. It's free. The idea was simple enough, taking someone out of line and allowing them to come back later and stand in a shorter line. Management loved the idea because they assumed that out of line, people would be more likely to spend money in shops. But guess what? It didn't happen that way. People would take the FastPass and go stand in another line. So Disney tweaked the rules a little and changed the time windows. Not to try to get people to spend more, but to provide a better guest experience. They realized that their visitors liked it, and so they made it better for us as guests. And put aside the idea of more sales, because a happier guest in the end means more sales anyway. So I really think that was intriguing. You know, the fact that they, uh, that they really think about these things, and they consider it, and they consider how to make the guest experience better overall is really the important part of all of this. So that's my story for this week. I hope you enjoyed that. It's, it's a few observations of the highs and the lows of Walt Disney World and what I think are as generally yins and yangs and sort of the back and forth in, in what happens with, uh, with Disney World and you know, how you get your opportunity to, uh, to interact and um, how you can pay for certain things to get a little more. So that's it for me. So that's it for me this week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye now. Most of the music you're hearing on this podcast is from a friend of the show named Craig Brown. Craig does a number of things in the techno space. You can find Craig's music on myspace.com slash sound A as an apple. And my thanks also to Doug over at geekacres.net for his rendition of a Jack Wagner classic. 
And now we've reached our destination in the 21st century. Yes, I know, it went by so fast. But don't worry, because the future is always in front of us. Thanks for riding with us. Please collect your personal belongings and step onto the moving platform. The platform and your car are moving at equal, yet opposite speeds, so watch your head and step. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, or would just like to ask Dave a question about Disney planning or anything else, send him an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. And now, I gotta be moving along. He's looking for a little more adventure, I'm heading for a little bit of fun now. He's hoping for a little more excitement, time to be moving along. It's time to be moving along, time to be moving along.